Well, Bayshore, we're done. You know, I, uh, I have no authority, but I hereby make the motion that we extend family camp just one more week. I don't even want to speak. I just want to be here for it. Uh, you guys are great. You know, usually when I speak at family camps, and I get to do occasional, maybe one, two, three a summer. I love doing this, by the way. This is not taxing for me. It's really enjoyable. It's really fun. I go back to my home church encouraged and excited um, and refreshed, and they see that, and they recognize it. So I'm really thankful to uh, the people back home that they, that they support me in this. I'm thankful, too. Um, to be able to do this with you, and anytime I get a chance to do this, I always enjoy it. Um, but I just want to say thank you, Bayshore, because usually by this time in a family camp or whatever, I'm like, boy, this was great. I'm ready to go home. Let's finish it up. I'm not ready to go home. Like, seriously, like, I want to stay with you longer and longer. And I'll tell you what, it's because I recognize the Lord here and there. Take a second. If you can see, look on the ceiling of the tabernacle, how the sunlight is just hitting those two little spots up there. Like the sunlight is just finding little holes and just, hit, just hitting that spot and saying, do you see that? Now listen, listen, I've been sitting in here all week and I don't know if the angle of the sun changed or if the earth was rocked from the thunderstorms last night, but something happened so that sunlight is now able to hit things it couldn't hit before, and I recognize the presence of the Lord in that. Here, here's what I mean. It's, it's a symbol, right? What was this building before it was the tabernacle? It was a ra- well, what they keep? What they keep in this animal or in this place? It was the grandstand for horses, right? So they kept, and what? For horse race. So horses lived where we are sitting, right? And you know, the grandstand. Okay, so you know that this building has a lot of history to it, which is a nice way of saying it's dirty. And, and so, like yesterday, seriously, a cobweb floated. I don't know if you caught it in the front row. Did you see it? A cobweb. I thought it was an angel. Then I realized, no, it's just ancient history. But, like, <laughs> this building, in all of its age and glory, the sunlight finds this little crack and just penetrates this section. And it's like, that's just a great symbol of how the light of Christ penetrates into the darkest and dirtiest places and turns it into something beautiful. Hello? I mean, that's awesome. Isn't that what Jesus does? So, so I see things like this, and this is now a place of worship and celebration. I love that. I sense God's presence all over the place here. Do you? Yeah, me too. I also sense God's presence and joy when I have fantastic conversations with somebody, like a, a child who walked up to me today and said, Adam, why do you look so old yet you're so strong? What's the answer to that? Like, uh, well, I go to the gym, but I also apply old guy cream. And that's how <laughs> I pull it off. I'm really not strong anymore. It's all turning to jelly um, because I am on the dining hall diet. And that's not the Atkins, but the Fatkins. I love it because it's all you can eat. And people do this thing where, like, he's the speaker. We better make sure he's well fed. And so people bring me cookies, extra pieces of pizza, whole bags of flour. I mean, they just bring food to me. Remember back in the day when we had this stuff called Slim Fast and you were supposed to just drink a milkshake for breakfast and lunch? It's like I'm on the antithesis of the Slim Fast. So it's like I'm having Slim Fast poured over a gallon of ice cream, which sounds really delicious, come to think of it. Um, Yesterday, too, I mean, I did that thing where I said my first name starts with the letter R, and I I just wouldn't, wouldn't even let you... I wouldn't even tell you what it was. I, I just didn't want you to know. So people have been texting like crazy. I know the Lord moved because that was the most important thing we, we talked about. Um, so people have guessed. I'll just give you the latest list of what the R stands for in my first name. 
Uh, Richard, Randolph, Raymond, Roy. Boy, I hope it's Roy, they say. Royal, that's a good one. Reverend, no, you don't know me well enough. It's definitely not Reverend. But then somebody says Robert. That's right. So there you have it. So I just told you my first name. Do you want to know how I got that name? When I was in utero and my mom was carrying me around in her fronty works, I was supposed to be Robert William Davidson Jr., my dad's name. So I was going to be Bobby Jr., little Bobby, right? And so I was born, and my mom was like, and you remember my mom's history, right? Like she had no semblance of the presence of God or anything like that. I was born, and, and she tells me this story years later. She said, I knew when I saw you that you weren't a Bobby. You were an Adam. I just knew your name was supposed to be Adam. She said, years later, she said, I, I think it was the Lord telling me this, but at the time I just had this like inkling inside me. She said, but I knew your name was supposed to be Adam. But my dad said, but we're going to name him after me, Robert. And so they compromised, so I'm Robert Adam Davidson. Do you know what this means? As a child of the 80s, my initials spelled the word rad, which was awesome in the 80s, pretty not in the 90s, and now it's back again, baby, just like baldness and beard. So I am riding strong. Somebody writes, slim fast on ice cream is delicious. Somebody writes, what color is your toothbrush? Orange. Somebody wrote, your sermons helped me this week. Thank you. Like, seriously, Bayshore, thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging. Thank you for taking a risk and sending in texts and making this a conversation. It just goes so well. Someone asked, do I play Fortnite? No, but I can do two of the Fortnite dances. But I'm not going to do them now. That's ridiculous. Uh, somebody texted in what I would call a testimony on text or a text amoni. All right, got to be really careful with that. This is what they say. Uh, in fact, as I'm asking this, if you have any testimonies you want to send in really quick, I'd love to receive those. Don't, you know, just if you want to send in one or two. Um, somebody writes, so I had a stress test today. I failed it, my second one in six months, and then they give me a little bit more medical information. But this is what they say. They say there's only one reason I'm not freaking out right now, and that's me continually being in his presence. Giving this to him is the only way to not freak out. When we follow Jesus, it's not that we are now excluded from any possibility of suffering or any opportunity to worry or doubt or be afraid. He doesn't promise this. He promises he'll be with us in it, which is by far way better. And someone might think, if God loves me so much, why would he let me suffer? Because his love is so much deeper than your experience. Peter Kraft, writer, he writes philosophy books. And Peter talks about it this way. He says, listen, let's pretend that you're driving your car. It's the middle of the night, and your car breaks down, and you get off on the side of the road. And you, and you just pull off on the side, and you can't fix it. And you call a tow truck, right? And so you go, boop, 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 And you call the tow truck, and the tow truck operator says, I'll be there in a couple hours. To which you say, oh, okay, thanks. And you just sit and wait alone in the dark and the cold, just waiting for this tow truck, operator, tow truck operator to come rescue you. But as you're waiting, this car kind of pulls up behind you. It's not the police. Car pulls up behind you. Person gets out and says, hey, are, are you okay? Are you all right? Well, yeah, I'm just waiting for this tow truck. And the person says, hey, can I sit with you until the tow truck comes? Sure. And they sit with you, and they keep you company, and you talk, and the time goes by super fast, and you end up making a good friend. Tow truck comes, and you're on your way. And Kraft asks this question. Which person showed more love, the tow truck operator or the person who stopped and waited with you in your trouble? The second person. The second person showed so much more love and sacrifice and actually built a connection. It's kind of how God rolls sometimes. Yeah, he sends the tow truck. Yeah, he sends the immediate rescue. But sometimes he sort of says, I'm going to delay the rescue so that you and I can get to know each other in this waiting room. He likes you. He wants to get to know you. This has been my experience at least. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. 
Um, nine square. I played nine square with the teens for just a minute or two. Come on, youth. Come on. All right. Uh, turns out I'm really tall, but I'm not good at nine square. And there was a student who said, I'm the best at nine square. And I was like, oh, yeah? And he was like, how tall are you? And I said, I'm six foot five. When I had hair, I was six six. And he was like, I'm going to beat a guy who's 6'5". And I'm like, no, you're not, punk. Like, I was really getting my, I wanted to, like, put on a, ne a knee brace and everything and really, really get into this, like, nine-square game. And then he beat me instantly, just instantly, and it was horrible. And I'm like, you cheated, because I was upset. But I was thinking about how, I was thinking about how the game nine-square is a great image of the body of Christ. Here's how. Because anybody, large or small, can play that game. And those pesky pipes, like these black pipes that run across here, always end up redirecting the ball. So even the greatest skill can be sort of thwarted, and, and, and the greatest of weaknesses can be strengths, because nine ball sort of balances it all out. Everybody just brings their gifts, brings their best, and it's sort of like the body of Christ. You have all these different abilities and talents, and yet the body of Christ is on display at Bayshore, because some of you do this and some of you do that, and it all kind of balances out because it's Christ that brings it to life. As I was leaving the nine-square game, I came across a circle of students who were sitting in a, just like a little circle, and they were sharing, and, and then there was this one student in the middle who was able to do like these weird body contortions and make it so that she could take off her glasses with her feet. It was really scary. I thought we had to do an exorcism. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And then there's this other student who's like, oh, yeah, watch this. And that student did this thing, and I think it helps illustrate something. So, Peter, would you come up here just for a second? We are getting to a deeper point, I promise, but I just want to kind of turn our attention to the body of Christ, all of us different and yet, and yet tied together by Jesus. Come on, all the way, all the way up here, all the way up here. This is Peter, everybody. Say again, hi, Peter. Now, I'm going to ask Peter to do something that I cannot do, and I just want, I'd like him to do it, and then maybe you show us if you can do it. So could you go ahead and do that thing? Yeah, just go ahead. Wait, this isn't going to work. Stop. You can't see the whole thing. Austin, could we... Could we use the camera? Let's fire up the camera. Okay, come on down here, Peter. This will be good. This will be great. It's going to be the weirdest thing you've seen all day. Let's see if we got Let's throw the camera shot up there. Give it, give it time. Give it a second to calibrate. There he is. Okay, there's Peter. All right, Peter. Okay, okay. watch this. Watch this. Oi, oi, yoink, 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 yoink. Yeah. Thank you, Peter. He can do something. He can do something I cannot do. Not without surgery, either beforehand or afterward, right? I, I would need work at some point. He has this gift, this talent, and I know after this he's going to have a lot of dates. Now, and as has been said several times, and I want to affirm it as well, our children and our students, these are the generation, the church of now. We're not waiting for them to take over someday. We need them now. Do you agree, adults? And we affirm them. So this is the thing. You are the body of Christ, united not by our taste in music, not by our styles, not by our preferences, not even by our socioeconomic status, not by our histories. We are united by the Lord Jesus. We have this thing in common, and this thing that we have in common is that we have a Savior who died for us. In fact, how many kids gave their heart to Jesus this week, Kevin? 28 kids gave their heart to Jesus this week, and five teens. Like, this is amazing. We celebrated this already, but I want to celebrate it again, because that means that the body of Christ has just grown, right? Now, we've got to pray for those kids. We've got to pray for those teens, because now we have to do the work of discipling. 
We have to train them up and we have to surround them with support and, and help them as they follow Jesus. But I say all this, just remind us of our status as the body of Christ, especially as we're about to sort of leave and go separate places. Because one of the things that came in a lot when I asked you the question on Sunday night, what are you hoping God will do, was revival and renewal and the unexpected. And I've been stirring on this one all week. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that you know, revival is something we should always be praying for. Always, always be seeking the Lord for revival in our nation, in our churches. But of course, really, the revival needs to start in me. And if the revival starts in me and starts in you, it naturally spreads. And the body of Christ catches fire. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Because I just wonder what would happen if we just sought revival tonight and in the days ahead, what God might do. But we are the body of Christ. We are not mere individuals following our own individual sort of path. Yes, we have our own salvation and our own justification and sanctification, and yet we are united as the body of Christ. Unique gifts, unique talents, but this is what brings us together. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. In Matthew 4, 18, Jesus calls his first disciples. He's walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and it says in Matthew 4:18 that Jesus saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. May I suggest to you that revival and renewal always starts with the call of Christ. That Jesus puts out some sort of call, some sort of invitation to invite us to join him in his work. To invite us to join him in his renewal. To invite him in, jo in, in, to join him in, in, in bringing about this coming kingdom. But what strikes me as most fascinating about this passage is that these guys whose lives and family and, and economics and, and future are all predicated and built on fishing, have no problem abandoning their nets, leaving their father behind and following Jesus. Can you imagine how much courage that must have taken back then? And did you notice, too, that they abandon all their stuff right away? They don't say to Jesus, thank you, that's a wonderful invitation, Rabbi. Can, you, can I have a couple weeks to think about that? Did you notice that it's instant, it's immediate, and it's unexpected? You know that when those guys woke up that morning, they did not expect this to happen. And you know that their parents didn't expect that to happen either. And you know just how damaging this may have been even to the family business and to even their own reputations. Perhaps it wouldn't have worked out. They would have gone back after a few weeks and said, that was crazy. I don't know why I did that. And their parents would say, oh, impetuous youth. Because these guys are young at this point. But Jesus saw something in them and wanted them to come with him in this work. Now, at what point in the life of the disciples did the revival really happen? I would suggest to you that it couldn't have happened unless they initially responded to the invitation of God. That had they said, no thanks, Rabbi, it wouldn't have happened. And they would have gone on and fished until their dying day. 
But that's not what happened, is it? No, Jesus calls them, and they said yes, and they come along. I would suggest to you and submit to you that revival always begins with our response to the call of Christ. Now turn with me to Matthew 28. We're jumping way ahead in the story of the gospel, but nonetheless, we remember that it is Christ who has died, and Christ who has risen, and Christ who will come again. And in this anticipation, we remember that Jesus, our risen Savior, victorious over sin and death, died for the very ones that he invited to follow him, and you and I too, died for the very ones who abandoned him, including you and me. That Jesus comes back after his resurrection and says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't it interesting that you don't have the revival and the beginning, really, of the early church without that mission? And you don't have that mission unless Jesus himself states it. So I would submit to you that revival always comes with an invitation from Christ, but also comes with a mission and purpose behind it. And what this does, church, is it saves us from the emotionalism of looking for a spiritual high. And it reminds us that this is so much greater than my purposes and my experiences. That I want to follow Jesus, and that if he were to sweep me into some sort of revival of his, that it would certainly be to my pleasure. I would love that. I would enjoy that. I, couldn't be- I can't believe what it would be like to be part of something like that. But it's always in according with the mission of the church, because the church exists to make disciples. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. That we go just like they did, and we say, hey, do, do you want to follow Jesus? Are you ready to follow this Messiah? Let me, let me tell you about what he's done for me. You, you need to meet this man. He's changed my life. Do you feel distant? Do you feel far from God? I know someone who can fix that. Oh, you're, you're a Jew. You're an Israelite. You know the temple and the priests and the sacrifices. Let me tell you about a great high priest who's gone before us, who's, who's not only paved the way for us to be in the Holy of Holies, but is himself the sacrifice. And he even knows what it's like to be human. He even knows what it's like to be tempted. He was tempted just as we are, yet he did not sin. And as Paul writes... Jesus became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. But it's always for the mission of making more disciples. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, we are post-resurrection, pre-Pentecost. Jesus goes and meets his apostles, his followers. And it says in Acts 1, 4, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, which I love, because that means we get to eat in heaven, I think. Remember, Jesus is resurrected. So he's eating all the pizza he can, is what I would like to think he's doing. Maybe I'm projecting. But it says in Acts 1, 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And he says, hey, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave this place, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait. I would submit to you that revival always has the invitation of Christ, always has the mission of Christ, and always has us waiting on Him. We don't get to decide if and when God does something amazing and powerful. Ours is to wait. 
and him, his is to lead and to move and to fill. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Jesus told them to wait. He said there's going to be a gift coming. It's the promised Holy Spirit. And then we get to Acts chapter 2 when that happens. It says in Acts chapter 2, 1, that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now that is a revival. Yeah? Watch this. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And then the writer of Acts, Luke, gives us a little, like, bio of all the different languages. Like, it's like a UN summit, and all of these different languages are being spoken. Why? Because it's always according to the mission of God and the timing of God and the invitation of God through Christ. And then we get to verse 12, Acts 2.12. They said, we hear the wonders of God in our own tongues, and amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what do we do now? What does this mean? What's this all about? And then Peter gives the best sermon that you're going to have post-Jesus, except maybe for the book of Hebrews. But Peter gives this great message. And then we jump all the way ahead to verse 36. And he brings it home by saying, Therefore, let all of Israel be sure, assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Just as Hebrews says that the Scripture, the Word of God, cuts to our hearts. And then they asked the question, what do we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, which does what? Brings them into the body of Christ. And he goes on and gives a longer message, because you know how when pastors say they're done, they always do another message afterwards? It says in verse 40, with many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them. And he said, he said save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And now, we're in this age, this time, this era. And we want the Spirit of God to do something profound. So I would be remiss to not do this part of my job. And I'm even going to go out on a limb a little bit and do something perhaps unexpected. I'm going to even let it get slightly awkward. But I'll go there if you'll join me. Will you join me? Okay. I just want to say, if there's anybody in this room right now, adults, students, young, old, in between, there's anybody here who is like, I need to actually make this decision and say, I need to follow Jesus, that you want to actually become a disciple, that you haven't yet made that decision. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't give you an option to do that right now. How old is too old to be saved? Is there an age limit? You know, we're like, yeah, the kids, 28 kids, five students, yeah, but after 18, ah, too late. No. Remember the story I told you about my mom? She was like almost my age when Christ got a hold of her. Now, I, I don't know. I imagine that what this could look like right now in this tabernacle at Bay Shore, like right now, is just as when Jesus extended that invitation and said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm, I'm going to help you fish for people. I, I wonder if there'd be somebody with courage right now just to stand up and say, yeah, I, I, I need to, 
I'm ready to do that. Think about how much courage that would take, though. But I just want to make sure. Now, and let me say, too, at, at Renovation, we don't get super excited about conversions as much as we do people becoming actual disciples, getting baptized and all that. So this is just the beginning, right? But I, I just wanted to really make that invitation clear. Is there anybody who would stand and maybe even say, you know what, I, I gave my heart to Jesus a long time ago, but I've just been kind of floating, and I, I need to get right back on track and respond to this invitation. Not that Adam's giving you, but that Christ is giving you tonight. Is there anybody who just needs to respond to the Lord right now in some way and would have courage to stand? Okay. If you're this close to that, or you need to talk to somebody about this or what this means, talk to me, talk to a pastor, talk to somebody. Because it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, we don't want any separation between you and the Lord. Do we? So now let me ask you guys who are there. Is there any separation between you and the Lord? Not, not like, like the golf, but just is there something that you're holding on to that just needs to be let go of? And I would dare even say, is there some kind of sin? Is there some kind of darkness? Is there some kind of grime and grudge in your soul that you just need to let go of? And you would have the courage to stand up and say, yeah, I'm not going to have you come up and share your testimony unless you really want to. But I am going to ask if I could pray for you. Is there anybody who would just stand and say, I, I just need to, I want to make sure that I'm right with the Lord and I want to say tonight at Bayshore, I'm intentional about this. Thank you. I see. Thank you. Yep. Okay. This isn't an ending. This is just a beginning. You're just saying, I, I want to just make, make this commitment and this confession. I need to follow Jesus. And, and I'm going to live my life in a different way as a result of his invitation to this and to just live more intentionally. Thank you. Would you guys be willing just to come up here? You've already stood. You just come up here. Just, yeah, just kind of come, come hang out up here. Just anywhere, anywhere you like up here, just kind of fill this in. You're standing not, not for any other reason. It's not like spiritual gymnastics. You're just like, no, I just want to make sure that I'm just saying publicly, I really want to follow Jesus, and I'm letting stuff get in the way. I'm letting myself get distracted, and I just, it doesn't need to be that way, and I sense his invitation to clarity and freedom and forgiveness. It's a rather noble, God-honoring, humbling thing, isn't it? But isn't that how his grace works? Yeah? Anybody else? There's so much time. I'll wait. We can wait, man. There's no rush. Awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Now, if you're in the room and you're sitting, I'm assuming you're, you're thinking about something or you're all good or you're just not feeling a, a, a tug from the Lord or you're not, that's fine, that's great, no judgment. I mean, it's not, there's no superiority thing, right? Remember, there's Jesus and then there's everybody else, right? But if you'd be willing to join me in praying for these brothers and sisters who are making this statement, would you stand?
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the God of continual revival. You just want to revive us, revive our hearts, change around the order of our affections and change the way we live and help us to focus on you, to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, to leave all things behind, to leave all sin behind, to have the mind of Christ. And so tonight, my brothers and sisters have stood and just said, pray for me along those lines. I make this commitment. I make this confession. I want Jesus to be first. And so, Jesus, we need your help in that. You're the one that calls us to revival. But I know that before we went any further, we just needed to be really honest about doing business with you and just making sure that we're in the right spot. So, Jesus, we're reminded of your words in 1 John that say, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And so as you bring those things to mind, we lay them at the foot of your cross. Nothing is too dark. Nothing is too bad or dirty or grungy for you. Your power is greater. Your light is brighter. Your hope is complete. Your grace is enough. Jesus, we want to leave here different. We're not looking for spiritual fireworks. We're not looking for tongues of fire or wind to to blow the windows open. We just want to be found faithful waiting on you. So I pray that this would just be the beginning of a new revival in your church here at Bayshore and then as we spread to all over the place. May you send the fire in us and with us and may you Cause it to spread in any and every place where we go. We are your vessels. We want to live out your mission. We want to live in accordance with your invitation. And we want to be world changers who bring the healing of the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus, we confess you as our Lord. We confess you as our Savior. And we trust you. And now we seek the filling of your Holy Spirit, not just in this room, but in our hearts as we respond to you by faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, gang. This whole room, this room, this whole area is a place of worship. We're going to sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. On purpose, we're going to hang out in this spot for just, just a little bit. So your and my invitation from the Lord is to pray, to seek, to sing, to raise our hands, to maybe huddle with somebody and just talk about what's going on and say, hey, I need prayer. I need help. I need the support of the Lord. I need you to pray for me. Do whatever you got to do. You be the church. You be the body of Christ. And if you're serious about revival, let's let it just start right here and right now and see where the Lord leads us. Are you willing to try that with me? Let's just be available to the Spirit. Can we do that? Can we? Pray with me again. Jesus, help us now. We seek the filling of your Spirit and we are available to you. We love you, and we dedicate this as a holy place and a holy time for you. Do according to your will. Amen.